So we're on chapter uh, 31, I am Bayes, volume 1, discourse 8, page 50. We're in the middle of a discussion on the entire structure of existence, with the objective being that trying to understand how the structure can connect to that which is beyond the structure. So being that I was asked some questions on this, let me just elaborate a minute. You know, like any machine has its complex engineering, whether it's an airplane or it's an air conditioner or a refrigerator or even a light bulb, a clock, an iPhone, everything has its engineering. And good engineer, all the components are uh, work together. If something breaks down, you look at, you try to look at which specific piece needs to be repaired. But they all work together. One thing doesn't work right, it may create a chain reaction and the rest won't work right. The way God created existence is exactly that. The reason we humans can create such structures and it should make sense and you can create a machine and rely on it and next time it's going to work the same way it worked the first time is because God made it that way. Because the whole existence is built with rules, with laws of nature that can be predicted, that can be um, anticipated, that can be dissected. And human beings, you could say the march of progress through history has been humans trying to understand the forces of nature and try to uh, harness these forces. The sun, the sun gives us light, but we know today the sun can also create solar energy. So we have solar panels. They work a particular way and they're able to tap into the sun's energy. You have electricity. You have on and on and on, the subatomic particles. So existence clearly, you don't even need proof. It's clearly a structure that's extremely complex, extremely powerful, and also very symbiotic. Everything works like a harmony, like a scowlus. It's truly the scowlus. Things Just look at nature. Without human beings getting involved, nature is a perfect machine. Something breaks, there's something else that comes to repair. It's like an immune system. Go to a forest, gets a fire, and sometimes forests need a fire to regenerate. And it has its own beautiful way of regrowing and regenerating. Everything has, it's a whole complex system that works with logic. Seder Stalschluss essentially is the, is the, you can say, the core engineering room of how God put, created existence. Um, and each component is necessary in appreciating the whole picture. And now the difference is when we create a human, create a machine, let's say we create an iPhone, was created in order to get people to communicate with each other officially. The, the, the shareholders would say it was created in order to make a lot of money. But you make money when people feel there's a need for it. There's a utility in it. So every machine has its purpose. An airplane has allowed us to travel faster and quicker to far places. Um, everything has a goal. The question is, what is the goal of the whole engineering room? The goal is that there should be a partnership between God and us. That there should be a connection. So every piece of the puzzle in the airplane is to make it fly. There's nothing on an airplane that is not there to help it fly in some way. Or to make, obviously, for, for the passengers to pay, they have to be comfortable or not comfortable, like, you know, like, uh, at least like cattle. You know, like I saw that cartoon where, two, where, where a cowboy is herding a bunch of cattle and one cow says to the next, I'm enough of being treated like airplane passengers, you know. But the point, that's just a joke. As, as in a, sorry, it's not relevant to the marshal that I was giving. 
The point is that every machine has its purpose, and all the engineering in that machine is meant to reach that purpose. Since the purpose of existence, say the Shtaus is there for to be a connection between us and God, so every detail is there to help us connect. So then when you break it down, you want to know all the levels before the Tzimtzum, the, the, the Tzimtzum itself, the Rishimu, the impression that remains afterwards, the Kav, the Edis, the Kalim, all the levels we're learning. Each piece is part of the engineering of how to make this connection happen. And it goes two ways. It's how God creates and then how we return. So, if you ask the question, let's say, Simpson Kipshute, say, Shari Chodvamuna, Chassidus makes a big thing that the Alter Rebbe writes that the two ways that when turn the Alter the Rambam, sorry, that is all, was Megala, the concept of Simpson. So they were Talmidim of the Arizal that interpreted Kipshute. And God actually removed himself. Alter Rebbe says we can't say Mimikri Haguf, God is not physical, you can't say he removed himself, you have to say it's only a concealment. The Rebbe has a letter about four different opinions in Simpson edition. Tzadik Tess, Tavshir Tzadik Tess, he wrote a letter to Rabbi Ben Yomitz, who asked him to explain. So there's a letter, it's printed in Chelek Tazvav, in Kotesichis. It explains there's four opinions. There's an opinion that Simpson is in the Etzem, and it's Kipshute. There's an opinion it's in the Eir and it's Kipshute. There's an opinion that it's in the Etzem, it's not Kipshute. And there's an opinion that it's in the Eir and it's not Kipshute. And we, so this Chabad, goes by the fourth opinion. It's not in the etzim and it's not kipshute, meaning it's only in the air and the lowest levels of air, and it's not literal. It's only a concealment, not an actual removal. I mean, there's there's implications of all four opinions. The point I want to make is that in understanding the connection between us and the divine, every aspect, whether it's the simsum, the kav, is in the gate, is important to understand that connection. Now, now is not the place to go into exactly what the simsum does, what the rishim does. Like even the Reb Marash was machadish. That We learned this earlier. That the letters of the Rishima, the impression that's left over after the Tzimtzum, the impression we're talking here in the Kalim, in the Sherish HaKalim, not in the Kav. We're not talking about in the Kav. Reb Marash writes that in Hagor and Samach Tzadik's Maimer. As a matter of fact, the Kapister, the Moganovis, criticized him for that and said it's not correct. And there was a Chosid, Rabbi Rivlin, there's a whole writes a whole letter back and forth vikuach with uh, that he said it is kipshute, it's not kipshute. I'm sorry that the nagabemat simpson. How could you say eshes adoshim lay nagabemat simpson? So there you go. What what is the difference? What is the ultimate difference? If 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 in the kalim was nagabemat simpson or not, you have to say there has to be a difference. I'm just giving you an example. You take even simpson kipshute. The bottom line is the Rebbe writes in a follow up letter to Benjaminson just to po- focus on this. We'll address it. There'll be points where we'll discuss this. I just want to break, you know, as I said, when you're in the engineering room, you want to know which room you're, which section you're in. Or else you get a mess. Or else you get, you get, you get nowhere. Because everything is everything. So he, he writes to Benjaminson, the Rebbe writes in a follow-up letter, that I, you didn't, I guess you didn't pick up on the implications of what, what, what it means when the symptoms not kapshute, and it's only the lo- lowest levels of the air. What's the implication that the Rebbe says? That means that the Baal Shem Tev, the Rajbi, the Arizal, the Baal Shem Tev, the, Mitle, the, the Magid, the Alter Rebbe, and all the Rabbeim are here with us right now. That's the implication. So that's how the Rebbe interprets. So another Kipshute means that Sof Sof Ruchnis is not here. In some way, when a Shama leaves, or in this case, the Sadikim, there's a certain separation. When Simpson is not Kipshute, it means they're right here in this room. 
The only thing is we don't see them. I'm just giving you that's a yeah, a practical thing. The bottom line is it all comes down to Ahdus. It all comes down to how deep is the unity, the Ahdus between us and godliness. And how much does we have do we have to give up for that? So we all know we have to give up yeshes and taivas and selfish desires. That's poshut. Even that is not so poshut. We learned, you give up, what do you give up? You give up the object of your desire, not the kayach and misava. So we're not talking about annihilating the, the human being. But we all know there's something you have to give up, the tzir of your taiva. But the, but, but the end of the day, chesidus and the Arab Rashab for sure, because I'm, I'm learning, the more, I've been studying a lot of the sources where he's taking this from. A lot of it's from the Alta Rebbe, obviously most of it's from the Alta Rebbe, it's a machzadek. And it's fascinating because you could see them struggling with what he's already coming to for much further down the line. The Alta Rebbe had two different approaches in Chassidus. And Tzemach Sadiq says it clear that sometimes in his Baimorim, Tafkuf Samach Tess is one way, Tafkuf Samach Vav is another way. You could see the Alta Rebbe himself struggling with this this question about Atzilus is it Gilead Helam or is it Yeshmayan? Is, 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 do we go the, like the Shita? Originally, the Altareb was clearly much more according to the Shita that Eir is Metsuyer. And Akhlifa Dechtayu comes because Eir is Bligvul. As the Altareb, as it looks like to me, I, didn't, I can't say conclusively, but it looks like as the Altareb went on, he, he started leaning. Let, let me make it clear. They both, they both have something that the other. But it gets more complicated as you say the Eir is Metsuyer because you need to work a lot harder. It would be like if you said that two pieces, components, let's say, in a machine, don't, they're, they're two opposites, but we can get them to work with each other. But they really can't really join. That's sometimes easier than to say they have to mamas join, because if they join, then you have to make every piece work with each other. Instead, let's like, take a marriage. You could say a marriage works because both compromise and both uh, lower their expectations, and you work it out for a higher purpose, whatever. But to say that they actually become one and they really can work everything is mamish like a partnership. Like the Rebbe says, a shutfis, not a shutfis only in 20%. You're a complete shutif without Eibishter. That makes everything much more complicated because then every piece has to be looked at that both are benefiting from it. You understand? So as, the, as there's no question, as Chesidus Chabad evolved, so to speak, it starts going much deeper into the Ahdus. I guess that guf is a part of the process to Mashiach. Because you want the Ahdus to be as deep. And the Ayin Beis is definitely more Ahdus than, than Samach Vav. Samach Vav leans more to the first approach. Eris are more Pshutim. You know, Ruchnis is more uh, in its world. And if you want to have Iskalus, you have to go to that world. And here there's no question. You can see, chapters after chapters, it's elaboration just to establish one thing that Eid has in its shape and form. Take away this Shita and you can basically eliminate 15 chapters here, at least. So clearly you see how he's working overtime to make it, to make the, the match perfect. And that's what it looks like. So the truth is to really appreciate, and I'm seeing, because I see that I see the Samach Tzadik is my modem, that Dover Poshet, that Eir is Poshet, and he doesn't even mention that there's another approach. And then, as the year, and, and, and later Maimer, you see the years, he suddenly says, Badrushim Acherim Shemaynu, from the Alter Rebbe, a second approach. Now again, I, I didn't, I can't say conclusively yet because I want to still, but it's clearly to me that there's there's two approaches. That's for sure. It, it sounds to me like the second approach comes is developed as we go along more. And the Rebbe Rashab here for sure goes with that approach. You see it, you see consistently how he keeps. He even says he says according to the first approach, certain things would be understood easier. So how do you connect it to you know, the Isn't it more connected to Tzimtzum here? 
There's two separate things. <coughs> Look, there's two separate things. The tziur part, the tziur part comes from uh, how deep the sheresh gvul is. So if, if there's gvul in air, so we have that tziur can be a lakus. That's not symptom related. That's more. That's more earlier. The symptom is the other question: is how deep is the concealment? That's the question. See, there's two sides here. One is how deep does tziur go? No, it's how, how deep-rooted is the tzir, and clearly he's establishing it goes all the way to the top. Well, you know, to the top relatively. The vision for it is shir atzmi But the tzimtzum side, which he's not addressing here at all, it's not even relevant in these discussions, is a whole different discussion. It discusses a lot later, is how deep is the concealment part. In other words, how much do you conceal, actually? As soon as you say it's not kipshute, you're right away saying that the concealment is not, is not a total one. But it's two separate things. It would be like this. The teacher transmitted... Here he's talking definitely Eris, Eris, Kalim, and from right now, Eris. When the teacher transmits ideas to the student, we're talking about an infinitely distant student from a teacher. You know, the infinitely... So there's two things going on. One is the teacher is preparing what he's going to say. That's a gilly thing. That's Eir. So the question is, how much does he prepare? So we say he envisions exactly what he's going to say. Except the weights in his vision... Call that Esosphere Sagnusis. It's uh, it's all together. It's united. It can be revealed, etc. All the all the aspects of it. But then there's another thing: is once he conceals, he's silent. How much is he concealing? That's the question, and that's another sugya completely. That's a sugya of of of, of, of the silent sugya. This is the revealing sugya. So in silence, that's a question. And basically, Simpson Kipshuti would mean that he conceals that he he has to remove himself. Because he's just too distant, and Simpson Lekipshute not literally would mean that he just conceals himself, and you could find him there. At the end of the day, it will be revealed. Now, of course, it's Habahatalia, because if the Simpson is deeper, it also hides the tzir that is there. And the, like he said, the siluk, like relatively speaking, siluk and miut that he uses, removal and diminishing, is also like two types of Simpsonim. But that, but it doesn't use the word kipshute, not kipshute. This is more a question of intensity. You know, I wouldn't uh, mix that here uh, because that's, you know, Chassidus in general doesn't speak a lot. Besides Shayichud Amuna and the Rebbe, you don't have a lot of Maimorim that talk about Simshkipshute. That's just for the record. You talk about this about Miut and Siluk, and as we we learned also that Siluk itself there's two levels. The Siluk of the Eir is not complete. There's still something there. The Siluk of the Kale, for the Kalim is complete. But. You know, I'd rather not go there because this really requires an elaborate discussion on what the symptom is. And he's not really talking about that. Here he's talking more about the other. It's nothing to be sorry. I just want you... No, it's important to distinguish between the two. Listen, listen. When a teacher teaches ideas, one second. He needs two types of chokhmaseh, two types of creativity. There are people that are very good at concealing but they're not good at revealing. There are people that are very good at revealing and they're not good at concealing. Megala tefach machaset fachayim. The idea that when a teacher transmits, a good teacher does two things at once. He's concealing and revealing at the same time. Someone that says too little is not really teaching properly. Someone that says too much is also not. The question is, how do you transmit a kav of ideas that, is, that both the student can contain at the same time, they still maintain something above his head that he knows he can grow from it. 
That's the real challenge. So to do this, you really need two elements. You need to know how to conceal, you need to know how to reveal. First of all, if the teacher knows how to conceal, it doesn't mean he knows how to conceive of ways to communicate well. You know, I've met people that are very good at giving examples, but it gets so diluted that you lose the sight, you lose the touch of the, of the, of the idea, of the essence of the idea. So the question really is, is, as I said, you have to know how to conceal, you know how to have to reveal. They're both relevant. Um, concealing alone is not enough because anyone can conceal you don't have to be a big wisdom, wise person to conceal the question is that you have what to say and then you conceal and so it's it's just a matter of, I'm just giving ACs to understand that there's two forces here at work why is it why is that that shouldn't be so confusing it's two separate things you know if I want to formulate an idea I want to share so I'm doing one thing one thing I have to formulate it and say okay how am I going to compose it you know, it's like a structure First, olive base, gimel, dalit, steps, build it up, and so on. Then there's another thing. I'm sitting in a room, I'm seeing something, the student doesn't get it. So I realized that, that, my, that even though I formulated the structure, but maybe the flow is not going well. Maybe I'm saying too much. So you need to conceal more. Not conceal as hide. I'm talking about to make it more uh, more proportionate to the, to the individual. Or sometimes you didn't really develop the idea well. So it's two separate issues. They're not the same issue. If someone's not getting it, it could be because the idea was not developed well by the teacher, or because his way of transmitting it is not good, or his way of concealing it is not appropriate. I'm just trying to point out in the engineering room, all these factors are relevant. Later on, he's going to speak about four different dysfunctionality, how Aries and Kalim don't work. There's no question that's where you start seeing how this thing, you know, there's times it works and times it doesn't work. The bottom line is that symptoms, the chiddush of the symptom of the Arizal, which is discussed later and we'll talk about it then, is that symptom allows us to have both a closer relationship with God because at the same time we recognize that He's so distant from us. That's what the symptom ultimately does. It creates a balance. Without the symptom, you have a dilemma, how can an infinite God connect a finite world? The symptom, so-called, resolves that dilemma. But that's not for here. Let's... No, I'm not going to Kipshuta here. I'm, 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 I'm specifically not... It's a whole different sugya. I don't want to talk about Simsu Kipshuta. I said I think enough that I want to say. Simsu Kipshuta is a whole different sugya. You want to speak about it? It's a different... It's like when you're Asik and Emesachta, you don't go to another Mesachta. It's impossible. No, fine. Okay, so we're up to chapter 31. And we've established there's three levels in energy. In the energies, the Sharsheh Eris, otherwise known as the ten hidden spheres, that's Antu Chad Velei B'Chushbun. They are all one, all beyond any revelation. You can't even call them a Mokir for Eses Spheres. You can't even call them a source, because there's no transmission yet. And even if they are a source, they're only a source for energy, not for containers, for the vision. Second level is after the tzimtzum. Now the, the spheres have become distinct. There's chachma b'fnei bina. Each one has is distinct. But relatively speaking, they're still blima. They're still formless. And they're still under the impression, and ha- the so-called under the shadow, or 
and uh, by the power of their, of the, the ten spheres before the tombs. I avoided saying they're mocked because he it says it's not a mocked, but they're still connected because that's where they come from. They were, you know, the question is with that source is not a source for it, but this is rooted there. Okay, and this is the level of antu chakim So chakim we have now. Not that we have, but it's It's not any conscious defined uh, attribute called chachma or or bina or chesed and so on. And then comes level three, where they actually manifest in the containers and they get shaped by the containers. And here's where the eris take on a real personality. And uh, even though relative to the containers, they're still blima. But now they're inside the containers, and now Shmaya Vavtayan's idea, which is level two, has now taken the shape of Chesed in Hillel's mind and Gvur in Shammai's mind, and that's how they paskin. That's the psak. It's not. It's not. It's not wishy-washy. It's straightforward, and it's not just the color of the keli has shaped the water, the liquid. The liquid itself, the air itself, is shaped, and this is the level, as he says. Is the, is the third level that's within the containers. And to the extent that if they need his kaulus, if they need to work into connect or change role reversals, or connect to the source, they need to have an er alien godly yeser. So though they're still er, they still maintain transcendent qualities. But for them to change from chesed to gvura in any way to go beyond their identities, they need something from above, eser shalom b'mneim you need to go back to level two and level th- one to get that power. Which so are, now they totally comes contained. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. So the sadap shah they can't, but they need something that's so called out because they're now 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 it's like it's not exactly the example, but you know, like a malach can do two shlichus. You know, obviously it's not exactly in, in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more it's not so much chovish, it's mitzad that's what's necessary. It's necessary that Shammai pass they need a psak. You can't have Shammai saying, you know what, uh, I, th- I think I'm Mahmud. And then a minute later he says, you know, I think I'm lenient. It doesn't work that way. You need to have it defined. Remember, That's with true. all the miles of transcendence and iskalos and Ahdus, God wants a world that is defined. And definition means definition. Mokimarun is minamida. And you need to have the de- measurements. And it's ashir zazeh, nishtazeh, dafkazeh. Remember, let's go to the other extreme. Why you need the kalim? Because the world needs structure. You can't start saying, you know what? Hey, a kazayas, nishpunta kazayas. Like the economist that says, how much is two plus two is four? How much you want it to be? You know, it doesn't work that way. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, this is what the, the other joke goes, that the woman who came in looking for papers for a passport, and they, they misplaced them. So she says, So they said to her, they must, we can't find them. She says, well, how, much does, how much will it cost for me to find them? They said, it doesn't cost anything. She says, I don't understand. In Russia, just a matter of price. What's the matter with this country? <laughs> you lose something, you get actually lost. <laughs> it's an inefficient country. In Russia, it's very efficient. It's, 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 it's never lost. It's just a matter of... Right? <laughs> By the way, an example for Chidush and Gili, I wanted to say Yeshma Ayin and Gili Helam of Hatzilus, a good example, one example, would be the difference between a photograph and a running film. When you take a picture of something, you freeze in a still picture an image, so it's more of a Chidush. 
it's not connected to the source. When it's a flowing, when it's a running film, especially if it's live, you're like, it's, yes, it images, but the images are flowing from their source. Just, went to, just threw that in. Anyway, going back to this, so these are the three levels. And now, he's going to establish, oh, so I was saying, so the Kalim add to the contribution that you need to have a shear. God wants a structure, and he wants it specifically like this. If you don't do something exactly that's like for a mitzvah, the Gansazach can be possible. It'll be piggle. The carbon is not brought exactly right. You know, so it's not just a question, it's optional. There are things that are exactly that measurement. Not more, not less. 613 mitzvahs. That comes from the kalim, because God wants a structure and solid, undefinable kalim. The eiris, now kalim, of course, on their own, are just dead. The eiris fit into those kalim. That's why, as I said, this is much more complicated. If you said eiris poshet, you wouldn't need to have all these three levels. You could just say eight is Pashat, and you figure out a way. You bring them together. Eight is Sholem ben Reimov and That's not what he wants. He wants to have a step, a step-by-step process. That eight is recognize Kalim, and Kalim recognize eight is. and you need a structure for existence. It basically, this third level didn't exist. That eight is didn't really manifest, and they were just like a liquid that was colorless. In a certain way, you could say that a lukus. There's not completely, the, 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 I'm talking about Gili Alakus, not Kshere Shagvu, would not recognize the union of a Kazayas, the union of a Shir. Because you could say, you know what, you want a Shir as a Shir, but I'm not really shaped by it. The fact that air gets shaped by it means that even from a Gili Alakus level, the, 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 the specific measurements of a particular mitzvah are, are, are critical. You know, which adds another thing. You know, sometimes you see people who are like more in Seichel and a little more uh, spiritual, they're not, Hidur and Digdu Kaushal Divide Sofrim is not so critical to them. Not Mamal Yusa. It's because they don't focus on details. They're not detail people. But when you start learning that the air becomes, if God's air in Sof, that's Dovid Bumkede, the transcendent, transcendence is experienced in a destructed way, it gives a different take on the whole thing. It's not just Two worlds, Nasa and Nishma. You know, Kabbalah Seil, okay, Kabbalah Seil, I'll do it. But when you come to Seichel, Seichel doesn't relate to all these details. It's actually the Seichel, the air also manifests in details. I'm just giving an application of this uh, of this dimension. And it's very clear that this is where he's going. He keeps on saying it. I'm saying, I mean, it can be more obvious. You read the chapters where he actually said, that Rebbe Rashab says, remember there was that chapter, he says, according to the other opinion, the whole thing would be understood. Would be understood. And he forces the issue that Tafka explained it according to the Shita. You remember that, that chapter where he spoke about the first muscle of the Oz Bays? Right here. Beginning of chapter 24. He says, That this whole muscle would fit well if you said it was only the root of the, ener- of the containers and not the energies. But then he goes and a whole chapter and then he could say chapters later, all to explain it according to the other opinion. So there's no way, there's a reason for this. Why, why go Why go this whole Darach Arucha if there isn't a purpose? The purpose ultimately is that there should be. So now we continue chapter 31. And now, this chapter, if you know some mathematics, could be helpful. Basically he's going to introduce just a little introduction the concept of a point. That's an akuda, a kava line, and a shetach, a plane. 
in mathematics, basically everything is defined by uh, se- se- several dimensions. I'm talking now not three-dimensional, but an akuda is a point. In math, a point is the smallest possible measurement. A point does not occupy space. There are infinite points in a line. A line is the shortest, dire- the shortest route from one point to another. That's what a line is. So this is very relevant, obviously, in engineering, in geometry, in building and structures. So I know perhaps it's just a theoretical thing, but not when you build big structures. You need these things are critical. You do something wrong here. You, so it's all formulas. So two points. So how do I get from here to here? So I can make like this. That's not a line. The definition of a line is from here to here. The shortest point, the shortest way, is, is a straight line. That's the definition of a line. And then there's a thing called shatach. A shatach is a plane. A shatach is when you want to make, say, uh, not just two points, th- three points. What do you do then? So you have one point here, one point here, one point here. So, have, so it's a combination of three lines. Shatach is basically three lines. It could be a triangle. That's three. Four would be a square. Five would be a uh, octagon. And so on. Just for the record, the octagon, for example, is the most efficient architectural structure. Huh? Octagon is eight. A pentagon is five. You're right, my mistake. Yeah, yeah, act, act is eight, right? You're right, right. Pentagon is 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 uh, five. A hexagon is six, right? A centrigon, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I was saying octagon because I was reading that the most efficient structure in existence is an octagon. It's, that's why that's why architecture they want to fit the most thing in one place because and they copy a beehive. A beehive are octagons. There are eight, eight corners because the eight fit into it. Yeah. So if you want to fit people in sardines, the octagon is the way to go. Um, but bottom line, going back, however, so a plane is essentially uh, a shetach, a space that is a combination. So a, a dot, a point is the beginning, a line is one, a plane. There's more, by the way. That's all one dimension. That's all two dimensional. Three-dimensional would be when you create a cube. So then you, it's different things that it's called. There's other names. But uh, the point of the matter is, these are the three he's going to describe, and he's going to say these three are the three levels of eris, of energies. So I wish we could collaborate. I mean, all of our shalom, there was a guy called Sachs, from uh, Dr. Sachs, Sui Sachs in Pittsburgh, brilliant mathematician. I used to have long conversations with him. He wrote a lot of papers on infinity and finite huh? mathematics. But flat surfaces, measuring flat surfaces. That's one thing, yeah. But when he wrote a lot of papers, it would be great to... I mean, we'll find someone to collaborate with because it would be really interesting to see because here he's going to describe it the way it's in its root, in energy level, before it even gets into space. So he's going to say, that's what we're going to learn now. So now, 31, chapter 31. Now these three levels... Meaning the level of air, lifnet symptom in the hidden spheres. Air after the symptom is already distinct, but not yet shaped, and entering containers. And the energy as it enters containers, these three levels, they're the three levels of a point, a line, and a plane. The real word shatach is plain in this context. If you choose it, space means nothing. You know, if you want to speak in the in the language of a 
well, these three contexts is, is what I just said. It's called a plane, technically. You can call it area. You can call, of course, you can call it space. Shetach again. In a kav, you can call. You know, in a kud, you can call it point. I called it a point. You can call it a dot. But what it means, I mean, shetach. That the, the best definition is plane. There's no question. You can call it area. You can call it space. Fine. Um, no, not that plane. No, no. P L A N E, not P L A I N. Not, not at all connected. There's in Hebrew, in English, there's plane. The planes of Mamre are, is a plane is more like a, uh, a, a, if, like a, like right, a flat piece of land, as opposed to let's say a mountain or a, a valley, etc. Uh, uh, this plane is spelled P L A N E. It's a geometric plane. It refers to, I know there's a similarity, they're both flat, so to speak, but it's not the same plane. This one's spelled P-L-A-N-E, just for the record. I mean, you can look up, is there a connection between, I don't think there's a connection. Shatach is the word, but, uh, you know, I have to look at the English root, why one's spelled this way, plane. No, you have the planes, you could say, you know, in the central planes, I mean, you have plane in English. Right, white planes. Um... But this plane is A-L-A-N-E. It has nothing to do with an airplane. Um, maybe it's rooted in the same place, but plane, okay. Nakuda, a point, is the essence. There's a level of essence that's higher, that that that's still higher from any transmission or revelation. That's what a that's what a point is in mathematics. A point doesn't occupy space. They ask how many points in a line? Infinite. Best proof. Something that occupies space in you know, a line, if a line is let's say made up of how many inches in a the line, there's only that many inches. But points, there are infinite amount of points because a point is a atzmi. It's the mile from Hashach of Igili. It's an excellent, you know, explain uh, example for it. Like the point of a dot of a yud. The letter yud in Hebrew is nekudah. Even though, I don't know if he's probably going to mention it, but even though a yud technically, a sefer, you ask a scribe, you don't just make a dot. A yud has to have, exactly has to have a taglamayla, a taglamata. You know, yud does have body to it. But it's but 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 it says in Chassidus that that's because we live in a world of structure. But what represents a yud is the nekudah sachachme, the spark. That's what it represents. So essentially, looks it's the smallest possible measurement of all the letters in Hebrew. Everything else, yeah. Yeah. That does not yet have extension in length and width. And even though Yud, he's talking now the milieu of the Yud, not the shape of it, the Vav Dalad. That's the Erech Arechev. In other words, he's not talking about the actual image of it. He's talking about the Yud is not just a letter Yud. It also has a Vav Dal, the Mili, which is the length and the width. Hakol Hu Behelem Adayin. It's all concealed. It's all still concealed. Vakol Sistal Adayin. Because it will it will be revealed, but it's still in that late state. Vakol B'chinus Nekudlevad B'chinus Pshitas Adayin. And it's all one point, only a point, in a form of formlessness. So if you look at a yud, 
you have no idea what's going to come from it. If you look at the vision of the ar- ar- architect, the artist, as he envisions what he wants, it's all in an akuda. It's all one, all encompassed in one point. Next, two. Rakav, the line, a line is already a transmission and a revelation. Yet it's still only a, it's called a potential, a, a, uh, a transmission that has much potential in it. Hiulis, go trans. I gotta check. I gotta look it up. Hiulis. I just saw that the Tzemuchtzadik writes that the word Hiuli is used in Eitz Chaim. So, Takawaki said that Eishah Yehuli, the Yusedus. They're basically archetypes. That's really what Hiuli is. It's an archetype. You don't when you say fire. There's fire as we know it as fire, but there's fire so-called in its archetype, the personality of fire. If you touch it, you're not going to get burned, like he spoke earlier. It's in an abstract state, the the source of something. It's a Greek word. It's, it's based on the ideas that the Rambam brings and so on, that everything... Um, I want to make sure this is on, right? It's working. The sound, sound is on? Yeah. Um, that everything, you know, in the process of things, there's something that's even before Hiyuli. Then there's a state where it's already now been transmitted, but it's... Um, But it's still in its primarily potential state. So when a line, a point becomes a line, you can't do anything with a line. You can't build anything on a line because there's no such thing as a line in reality. There's nothing in life that's a line. Everything, you know, as soon as you're dealing with something, it has to be at least three dimensions. At least, see, a point has no length and no width. A line has at least length, but it has no width. So it doesn't, it's not practical. You can't live on a line. You can't even live on a shatach, to be honest, because it has to be three-dimensional. But a shatach, has the basis of it. This is very relevant, by the way, in Dinim of Erevin and Sukkah and many things where they talk about structures and so on. So now we're talking that it already has Amshach. It's already no longer just all within a point. It's now extended into a line. But it's still, relatively speaking, it's Amshach Hiyulis Adayim. So the line will be the source for making many other lines. So already you've gotten out of the source, you've gotten out of the, the, the original root, which is the point. So you've begun to extending, but it's still a... Uh, it's still, let's put it this way, you know, let's talk, talk, talk art. In art, when you, start making, when, you start, when you start with a point, okay, then you make a line, you, have no way where the, you still don't know where the line is going, but you know one thing, he's begun to create. As long as you're still on the point, you've not done anything yet. So the line is some amshacha, but now it can go in many directions. How these lines will, you know, as you start developing it. Which means that the line, even though it has within it revealed details, because because it's already a line. Nevertheless, it's still formless and all united in one as one. Because the kav, a line in general, is the idea of extension, of length, which is revelation. Length is revelation, but it's not yet spread out. 
However, this itself has two ways, two two ways to understand it, or two ways, two methods, two um, applications. Okay, we'll see in a second. One first even. The first way is that a detail, which is a nukuda, a point, a dot, was now transmitted and came out revealed from one level to the next. An example is like the hashpah, the transmission of an idea from a greater person to a lesser person, from God l'kot. You could say an adult to a child. Or God from a smarter, from a wiser person to a lesser one. That that same idea, not a new idea, that same idea, that same specific idea, that prat, echad, that was revealed, that he transmits to him, it manifests in an example, or in some um, idiom, some context that is proportionate to the recipient. That through this he'll understand this specific union, this specific idea. And also, And it can go even further. He manifests it in some type of idiom or some type of context that's even lower in order to reach a recipient that's even Less nomoch, it's even lower than the first recipient. So it's basically these are the gradations, levels of how an idea is transmitted. This is all the kav. This is the first eifin. Ubaifin kazeh, and in this eifin, in this method, medidi madregla madregachi iin moving gamla balsechla cotton. In this method, he basically is lowering the idea, meaning manifesting it in examples that are simpler and simpler. To the extent, to the point that till it could be understood, even to the person with the smallest, the least intelligence. Okay, that's one. We'll understand, I guess, when we compare it to the second. So that's one eifin how the kav works. It takes an akuda, a point, and extends it. So think of a line as being the line that connects the teacher to the student. And that line, you can keep going. You can go to one level, more, 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 all the way to the lowest seichel, all using examples or whatever it takes to explain it to the student. That's the first eifin. The second eifin to understand what a kav is, what a line does. There's a kav, the line is just revealing the details within the point. Not explaining it, not bringing it into any type of comprehension or explanation. Only bringing and revealing the details that are that are in the idea, in the in the point. Let's finish reading and then we'll analyze exactly the difference between these two. And in this way, inevitably or naturally, also the details are. Still in the form of formlessness, and hiyulis adayin are still in this type of potential state, not fully actualized. That's what it sounds like. In other words, this one is is less of a real transmission. It's this. Let me let me let's continue because I I, I want to see the full, let's see the full picture here. 
example is the Mishnah compared to the Gemara. A Mishnah has details in it. The best proof is look later. When you look in the Gemara, you see how what Mishnah has in it many details. But they're not yet comprehensible, meaning to people like ourselves. Until they're explained afterwards in the Gemara. With many different theories. And and asogas and, and different comprehensions and different ways of understanding. Mission is the So what is the mission? But the bottom line is Akshahain, the Mishnah is only a revelation of the details that's within the, the in the Kudah, in the point, which is Tera Shabik Sav, the written Tera. Mm-hmm. Because the jump from Mishnah, from Tera Shabik Sav to Mishnah, obviously, is a big jump. Gemara is closer to Mishnah than Mishnah is to Tera Shabik Sav, so to speak. But basically, for those that may not be familiar, let me just explain what we're talking about here. The way the Torah is structured is that Moshe received the Torah as Rambam writes, Torah B'Pirushanit. Now he received the written Torah. Then together with it, on Har Sinai and Mount Sinai, God taught him also the interpretation, which is what we call the oral Torah. Most of the Torah was oral, transmitted. It's like, think of it like um, someone writing Nukudis. Torah Shabbat is really like someone writing points. Shorthand. Shorthand. If you, write, if you read it on its own, almost nothing can be fully understood from the written Torah. So you need explanation of how to read the verse, how to interpret the verse, how to deal with a contradiction between verses. What do you do when a verse is very, very brief? So Teresh elaborates on that. But, nothing in the oral Torah is created on its own. It's all hidden and concealed in the Nukudis, in the points within the written Torah. But in the oral Torah itself, you have levels. You have the Mishnah. When Rabbi Huda Nasi compiled and finally wrote down, after it was memorized for years, this oral interpretation that was passed on from God to Moses, and Moses to, each, to, the, to his students and through the generations. So finally, because it was being lost, they decided to write it down. The Mishnah is shorthand of the oral interpretation within. So if you only learn Mishnah, you basically have the summary of what Moshe Rabbeinu heard from, from God, and of course, also the the different the God also said it's up to the different discussions between the scholars of interpreting it all. That's the Mishnah. And then when you say the Talmud, Mishnah is very short, relatively speaking. We say the Gemara, the whole body of Gemara. That's an elaboration. So for one Mishnah, which can be five lines, you can have a Gemara that can go for five pages, or sometimes even more or less. What's the biggest Gemara after Mishnah? Is there uh, ever see? 10, 15 pages, I'd say. Even more. Shabbos. Okay. Yeah, I could have more. And you see the Gemara literally takes the Mishnah and dissects it line by line. Takes a line, whole elaboration. Another line. And even that's just all, this is Talmud. Then comes the, 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 the commentaries and the Rishayim and the Rabban and the, 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 the Ga'inim and the Rishayim and the All the way to our times which interpret it all. And then you have Medrash and Zehar. It's a big body. But the point is, in the evolution of it, it's the Kudah, Kav, and Shetach. 
So the Kudah is Teresh Abiksav, as he just says. And he's talking about Kav. And the second Eifen, this Kav, the line, is not explaining something new. It's just revealing details that were there in the original point. And he's comparing that to the Mishnah. We still have to analyze the difference between these two Eifanim. But he's talking the second Eifen now. So after the parenthesis, and delve into what it says at length in the Mimer, Kol Hanena, Tof Reish Nun Beis, 1892. It was said by a wedding, I believe, of the Rebbe Rashab's sister. Yeah, I think so. 20 years earlier. Yeah, right. Hakav, What he says there about the Kav, about the line, that from many points becomes is a created a kav. For who shall madregis pratish shabai him bchinis nekudis u bchinis pshitis? So according to this second eifin, this second way, the levels within the line are not different in personality than they are in the in the in the, in the original point. They're still point. They're just a bunch of points. And they're still relatively formless. Of course, that's the point. One second, one second, one second. Look, 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 look. Right. I don't want to uh, elaborate, but bottom line is so far what he said is that the two the two ways to explain a line coming out of a point. The first one is a little more is less uh, is less similar to the, the original point. Because it's actually explaining it. The line is, is taking the, the point and bringing it to the level of students that are lower than the. That would be more like Eris uh, Mislapship, so to speak, in containers. The second explanation, I'm sure he's going to spell it out. I'm just saying what I've so far picked up. The second explanation is no, we're not talking about a qualitative shift. There's no qualitative shift. No, according to the first explanation, you can actually say that the line is different at the end than it is in the beginning, so to speak, because it's now speaking to a student that's even lower. In, this, in the second interpretation, the line is simply revealing that nakuda, and it's just one revelation, so to speak, and you would not say it's made. It's just that nakuda now extended, like the Mishnah. Mishnah is a very good example because the Mishnah is not really understood also completely. It's more than the, 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 the Kudah. In a Pasuk, you completely don't understand the interpretation. Mishnah at least contains it. But then the Mishnah, what's the Lashon of the Ram? The Mishnah is Belashon Ketzara. Now the Gemara comes and develops it further. Now whether he thinks Gemara, whether he's interpreting Gemara as Shetach, or is Gemara like the second, or the first level of the, of the Kav, I don't know. You know, you could also say it's the first level of the Kav, it's bringing, but it's probably more like the Shetach, I would, I would say, more like a plane. That's what he said so far. Let's see whether this is whether how it's going to develop. These two ifanim are definitely because of the kav. Remember, the kav is level two. The kav is literally the kav. The kav will be the kav from Echut from Eir and Sof. That's what. It's, yeah, yeah. And and the second level of this of this idea of kav is like the mission. It's not qualitative. There is a qualitative change in 
Okay, look, uh, I, I meant it more. I meant more that the first. It's um, you know, I meant it more that the kav. Well, it's all relative. No, it is qualitative, but it's not qualitative like the second one because the Mishnah does not. Um, like the first one. Right, exactly. The first one for sure is a qualitative shift. Because you're not no longer talking to Kudus. You're already explaining it. Remember, it's still not Shatach. But you're already bringing it down to, to, to lower levels. So yes, I, I can correct myself. I still think that there's an element that's that's not qualitative. Because the way he says, the way he concludes, he says that it still has that, it's still B'chinus Nekudus and Pshittus. That's the thing. No, in the Mishnah you'd say there's two things going on. Yes, Mishnah, there is a qualitative shift because the Mishnah already is the beginning of what can be later explained. But on the other hand, the Mishnah remains still essentially an Akuda and and still somewhat formless. So in that sense, you know, it's, it's, remember, it's, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Is the second level of the Eris closer to the first level or closer to the third level? It, it's, it's, both are true. Remember, he said a word earlier that his Skabrus, at the end of page Memchas, he said, why is it lay b'chushbun? There's an element in the second level that's still under the influence of the first level and still maintains it being basically points and very hafshotadik, very pshutim. So I really... It, it's, it's, uh, you also say there's being the whole muscle that just like the Hesh B'Ksav is the Kudus compared to Mishnah. The Mishnah is the Kudus compared to Gemara. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, Shatak is also in the Kudus. At the end of the day, uh, the whole world is Alakus. But we but but we but we can't get there until we Right. Look, it's like it's like the story with the, what was it, the Kusilepla, who was the Chassid that was making the Khishbainas at the bottom he wrote, Eneid Mulvadeh. So the Rebbe asks, if it's so Eneid Mulvadeh, how did he have presence of mind to write Tishrei numbers, Cheshven, he wrote, you know, income and expenses. He should have written on every line, Tishrei, Eneid Mulvadeh, Cheshven, Eneid Mulvadeh. So the Rebbe once said, if he did that, he's a batlan, he belongs in a kail, he's not a businessman. The point is, he's a businessman and knows how to add numbers. But when it comes to the bottom line, he knows it's Eneid Mulvadeh. But when you're on the lines, you got to know your numbers. You can't just say, it's all the course. And my point is, I understand what you're saying. Of course, you know, you write, you go straight into Atzmas, huh? You got this whole thing in Atzmas. But sometimes you got to go down before we go up. That's how it is. Syndrome. I remember once writing a sikha, and it was a very deep sikha, so I remember Rabiel comes into me and says to me, Yes, I said, I learned that from you. You basically then, you know, yeah. Once you get excited about the top and the bottom, you forget that the Hidrish is the Gansfine Madregas. The Rebbe Rashab has an expression in the Maimir Simchas Teda, Kinar Yisro, that he said without preparation, that's how they say it. The Rebbe Chazid, the Tavshin Tazayin. So, so in it, he says, Speaks about Atzilus and Mitten Zakter. The Mavzak when Ginu Kunzen, because Atzilus is Kunzen. You know, it's like tricks. God can do tricks. Now we need to um, get the real Tachlis. Yeah. So 
Now, Vishom Beer, he adds down the parentheses. Vishom, in the Maimah Kol Hanena, he explains, Ha'inyan, he explains this Inyan of Nekudakav. Shazel Kumaya Kudim V'Nekudim. That these two levels, the Nekudim, the, 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 the point, and the line is like the levels of Akudim and Nekudim. The Akudim, Husha Esuk Sorim, Shena Eris Atmim, Harem Bhins built in Mitzis Nekeris. Akudim Nekudim Vrudim, let's just explain what that is, is terms used in Pasha Vayetse by Lovon, Yaakov. Yaakov had that he had the Idre had saying, he had the flocks of sheep that he tended to for his father in law. And it says that we have the Rakudim Nekudim of Rudim. And the Lashon is there, the Idre Tsein of Lovon. So in Eitz Chaim, he explains that this is Lovon is Levon Elyon. Which means the essence of whiteness, purity, and that evol- that's keser, and that evolves into akudim. Akudim means those of the sheep they had one dot, one akuda. That was akudim. I think it's one spot, uh, and that is what he says. Akudim beklei echot. Akud means that they're all bound together, ten energies in one container. So there's an akuda only, one container. Nekudim, which is otherwise known as Toihu, is where there was, uh, Rashi explains that there were many dots. It was a spotted cow, a spotted sheep rather, I'm sorry. And that goes Nekudim, separate spots. And now you have ten energies in ten containers, but they don't work together, so they're spotted. And, and Vrudim were sheep where they had uh, stripes. And stripes already shows there's a connection. So now you have ten energies and ten containers, but they work together symbiotically is galus. That's the way it works. That's tikkun, right? So, so hakudim is higher than both. In hakudim, there's no breaking of containers because the containers have not even emerged yet. In hakudim, the energies are very powerful and the containers are still weak. So it's separate points and they shatter. And virudim is the is the is tikkun. So he explains now the kudakav and shatachach. These are the kudakav. Can you use it in a lower level? Let's say that kudim is lower. No, no. The world's kudim is always higher. A kudim is like if you think of a child developing. A kudim is where everything is still in a seed, like a seed. It's all there. There's only one, 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 uh, one point. As it develops, it develops into. Different akudas, and then so he says in Kolanen he explains this. He's in some parentheses, qualifying all this. That he's saying like this: Akudim she'esek sodim, the ten sodim, ten sodim, basically the ten energies, makifim. She'ne eres ha'atzmim, they're 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 um, essential energies. How do you translate atzmim? Man alive. Essential meaning fundamental energies. They're not as special as atzmim. They're not extensions of, but they are the essence of it. They are not distinguishable, not definable, not recognizable. And they're all bound and united together. And the points. The same level of Akudim is now coming revealing. They're revealed, but they're revealed as they are in their formlessness and in their essence. 
So there's a revelation, like in Tikkun and Vrudim, where they only revealed only the extension of it, in a diminished state. But in Tayu, in Nukudim, what happened, the extensity of Akudim is suddenly now all revealed, and they're all, that's why there's chaos. It would be like a group of geniuses. Right? So when they're all still, uh, let's say, uh, little children, so they're all sitting in one room and you don't know they're geniuses. Then you suddenly release them and they're not disciplined. What do you have? You have war. You have chaos. You have tamidir abekiva. Because of their intensity. So the intensity is there, but now it's spread out. In politics, it's called fanatics. Okay. Well, he's talking about the pshitas and atzmias that he just referred to. You saw by eris atzmim of akudim. The difference pshitusim means shapelessness, and atzmiusim means intensity. Really, atzmiusim means it's very powerful energy. It would be like he spoke earlier, if you remember, if the esesfiras agnusus were just revealed the way they were, nothing could exist. It's too intense because they're in their 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 root form. So, definitely different. Atmis Pshitis refers to shapeless and formless, and Atmis refers to being an essential entity, not a, an extension of. You know, we get this pastus of the sun's light, not the etzim Hashemesh. Etzim Hashemesh was here, we wouldn't be existent. You get a espastus. Etzim built him espashet, etzim built him esmayet, and etzim, for example, can be diminished. The sun, what can be diminished? Not the sun. The sun's light can be diminished as it travels. The further it travels, the weaker it gets. And etzim doesn't get weaker. What frames? What defines an etzim? An so atzmi, so an, what frames broke here? What was shattered? Well, he's not talking about the shvira part here. What happens is that the kalim also emerged at this point. Let's put it this way. As I said, if you have one intense energy like that, it has no one to fight with. No matter how, uh, how uh, radical it may be. But you put a bunch of radical forces together and now they're distinct entities. We're talking about they're distinct. And Akudim, there can be no Shpira because there's only one Keli. Here you have ten Kelim with ten very intense energies. You have ten Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. And Leinogu covers Abiza because each one they're very powerful and they burn each other up. I mean, that's the... the, the but he's not really going to that. Here he's talking more than Akudim part. But uh, you want the whole encyclopedia of huh? As much as you could. I got it, okay. Okay, so, so here we go. This is all the parentheses explaining what it says in Kol Hanan. And and similar to this, is the Kav, is the line, what from the combination of many points, became a line. This is all the Eifin Habeis, the second Eifin. That what? That a line essentially is the same intensity of the points, except now it's spread out. The bot. Yeah. I call the points. That's the right word mathematically. Dots is is that's what you do when you connect dots in the coloring book. But in mathematics, it's called a point. If he's happy with a dot, it's fine. It's the same. It's just language. The bottom line is that this is what happened here is 
and, and the, the, the Kol Hanena just intensifies the second Eifin, what happened here is we're not talking about bringing it to another level. That's what I meant qualitative. Obviously, it's qualitative descent from the way it is in the Nekudah. But we're talking about the same intensity and the same revelation is happening on the line as it is in the point. Except that in the Kudim, in the level of the, the of the points or the dots of of the world of Nekudim, they have become now separate branches. No, he's just qualifying this. That Nakav, in the real Kav, the Kav Chut, or the way it manifests in Atzilus and Tikkun, the Kav is a consistent one. Here it's become separate branches. So it's not really a perfect example of a Kav. A Kav is one line. Here what's happened is in Akudim, the ten energies of Akudim have become separate lines. But in the example it is, from the point, has become a line. Except he's saying in the Kudim it's several lines. There you go, that's the several lines that will create the, the breakdown. So we see from this, this is, this is the difference between when the revelation is in the form of Mitzias. It has some type of substance, some type of existence. That's the level of the Nekudim, of the dots. The point. You see, the interesting thing is Nekuda has become Nekudim. That one point has become many points. One dot has become many dots, which is making the line. So what is it? This is the revelation. It should be a Metzius. That's referring to in Toyu, each one says, I rule. Remember that the Melochim of Toyu are the Melochim in Pasha, say Pasha Vayishlach, where it talks about the kings Vayimlach Vayomos. That's where it's hinted to in Teshu Bixav. That's Toyu. The, 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 the Melochim of Esau of Eden is the Melochim of Tayu. Each name there is one of the levels of the Midas of Tayu. And each one says, I know Emlech, I rule. Now you have a whole intensity that he's a ruler. So it's, so, so it's become a Metzius. Oi, another way to say this, this is a long parenthesis. Oh, three more lines, okay. Oi, another way to explain it. So here comes a third interpretation, it looks like. That the revelation is only a revelation from the essence. Not that that it became something of substance, of existence. It's only revelation. Let's see what he says. One second. Like a great wise person. That reveals Seichel the way it's by him. Not the way he explains it to students. In that situation, all the details come in an abstract way, abstract form, and they're not recognizable, they're not distinguishable yet. And the details and the distinctions between them are not yet recognizable. Like we discussed earlier, chapter 19, the example of an abstract idea, that's able to mix with an opposite way of thinking that's also abstract like it. In other words, two abstract ideas can communicate to each other.
This is the parentheses. We'll, so we'll read it afterwards in a moment. So let me just break it down here. He began by saying in the Kuda, first there's a point. A point is nothing is revealed. It's all concentrated in a point. It's abstract. It's not divisible and so on. That point now becomes a line. A line is already a hamshachem. It's already a transmission, but it's still in an abstract state. And he explained two ways to understand this line. One is a much more manifest way. That the line actually is a transmission that brings an idea from a teacher to a student, a lower student to a lower student, as low as you need to go. So actually you can say this line is a diminishing line. In other words, if you follow this line, it's going to be weaker at the end than it is at the beginning. Something like the Kavachut. That's probably why he's bringing that. A greater? Why greater? No, that doesn't say that. The point here is that it that it brings it down to lower levels of the student. It doesn't say that. That's your thought. He doesn't say that point here. Yeah, but you know something. If we go with that approach, all seichel falls apart. That's like saying, yeah, like someone says, two plus two is four, and someone say, does that mean three plus three is six? And you'll say it doesn't say the opposite. If you say something is something, it's not something else unless you say it's something else. We're here. But 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 what you just said is fine, but it's in your mind, not in the mimer here. That's all I'm saying. It's a small distinction. Okay. Then he comes to the second eifin. The second eifin, um, the second method, the second way to explain it is that there's no gradation. There's no uh, reaching. It's not reaching lower students. It's all the same nekuda, except the nekuda has now been revealed. That's basically the, the key difference. The example he gave is the Mishnah compared to Tereshebik Sav. So Mishnah is still in Nekudah. Is I don't know. I don't know if that would be... The, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I would just say that it's... That the second explanation... The second explanation here is that the Nukud, the Kav is really much closer to the Nekudah than the first explanation. It's much closer. It's basically a whole bunch of points have now become a line. So it fits more to the line is basically made up of points. A line is essentially points. Many points between two, play, two, two from one to the other. There is a revelation. And then he brings from Kol Hanena, which we just learned. At first I thought he's going to say two more things in the second Eifin Gufa. But it looks to me like the second thing is very similar because when he said that teacher, the difference would be there's a teacher who explains with a muscle, brings it further, that's the first approach. And here he said a teacher who stays, his ideas remains remains abstract. However, it's revealed. So he's revealing it on his terms, not on the terms of the student. So it's a real different type of kav altogether. It's a kav. It is a line. But this line is on the terms of the nukudah. And the first of Eifim was on the terms of the, of the Makabal, basically. It really comes down to whether the Kav is focusing on where it's coming from or where it's going to. That's really the difference, so far, what it appears. But I just want to see why it's an Oi. Why do you say Oi? One second, one second. Just give me a second. Okay, I see the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the first explanation in Kola Nena appears to be like the, similar to the first explanation in the, in the Kav too. 
Kudim Nekudim, yeah, because is, it, 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 you can explain it both ways. It depends how you explain the Kudim. It's, it's, I have to look in Kalanana to see which way he explains it there, but it could be there's both are there. Let me just let me just read it again a second. So what does he say? That's what it says in Kalanema. That from many Nekudim becomes a Kav, but it doesn't explain which way. Fine. So the first explanation in the parentheses is that the same intensity it's a little it's very, it, it does seem to be two 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 explanations within that itself because the first explanation he says the same intensity of akudim is now revealed in akudim. But now it's a metziyah's dover. That's what he says. It's it's an existent thing. But you can't call it a kav. It breaks into many kavim. That's what he says. And the second one he says, Oishas gal shorak b'chines gilim etzim v'loyli es b'chines metziyah. Shorak is gal is levad. Yeah, you could say the first one is a little similar to the first eifin. Because he's saying that in the kudim you started to get some metziyahs already. I know Emlech. It means I exist. That means the, the line is not focusing just on the Nakuda where it's coming from. Now the entities are becoming. It's like the students who feel that we're somebody's. So each level is, is, is a powerful level to the point, like he says, that's why the Matthias creates the separate different Kavim. But you could say that's not really a real Kav then. Because once you, have, once you feel you're somebody, you're no longer one Kav. You're already. The way I would explain it without going further, I think there's almost three ways to explain what a kav is here. With, with almost being that the first one has two aspects to it and the second one is different. The first explanation is that the kav does somewhat recognize where its destination is going, meaning the students. So it gives each student according to its needs. In that itself, there's two extremes. One is when the kav still remains a kav, the students understand their place and their recipients. And tell you is when it gets wild. The kavim starts becoming. I know Emlech. I'm re, I'm against Mitzias. Anofim. Exactly. The kav breaks off into many kavim, and that, of course, is already going into destruction. So, and the second explanation is the kav focuses on where it's coming from. It's focusing primarily. It's an akuda that's now being revealed, and that revelation, therefore, is is uh, is uh, is very very abstract. And the example would be not the teacher as he's giving explaining to the students. The teacher himself is revealing himself. So Mishnah reveals the teacher not like Chumash does. But it's still Havshata. So it depends how you focus on Mishnah. If you talk about the Nekud of Mishnah, as you said before, that it's still a spark. So Mishnah is very similar to Chumash. It's very brief, compact, and you still need plenty of explanation. In other words, when you learn Mishnah, you feel more Elokus than you feel Havana. Right. In Gemara you feel more Havana understanding than you feel the, 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 the godliness of it. So a Mishnah has a similarity to Chumash because it's really still a Nukuda, but now it's coming to a Kav. The truth is, on the other hand, Mishnah is closer to Gemara than it is to Chumash because it's far Teshubah But that's a different part of the picture here. This is what I would say so far from what we've learned. I'm sure this will develop as he explains the Moshe. It's all a Moshe still. Now back out of the parentheses. Man, alive. You push it, I have to dissect this like line by line. It's no way, no way you can move. 
I mean, this, this is not this is not easy reading. Let's put it this way. No, this is in Pashat. And even though the Kav is a diminished, is in a level of diminished energy, diminished light, compared to the point, like we discussed earlier, chapter 22, I just want to say for the record, all these places where he keeps referring to chapters were added later, not in the first version, because the chapters were written years later. Which means that the Rebbe Rashab learned the Iyun, what he had written. Because he's not just writing a chapter here and there. Every few lines you see he's writing a chapter number. That means that when he did it, that means years later he, he read this whole thing again and wrote and, and added to it. It just tells you that how intense Ayin Beis is, how precise it is. That the, even though the Kav is a diminished state compared to the point, as we learned before chapter 22, what we learned there was about the tzimtzum, the concealment and the root of the energies liyesh, nimshech svidus pratis, in order for there to be distinguished, distinct, distinct svidus. Because through this became the diminishing of the energy. In other words, for the air from the shedish, in this essence svidus agnusus, which he's calling here in the kuda, to become a kav, meaning specific spheres, you needed the diminishing. She's asking a question here. We just said, especially according to the second Eifin, second way, that the Kav is really just the Nekudis revealed, and even though this Kav is, is diminished, Nevertheless, even though it's true, compared to the point, the line is diminished, but compared to the energies, that manifests in the containers, this kav is relatively still formless and substanceless, blima, without substance. That's the two levels, Likud and kav. Now comes through Vashetach and the plane. That's how energy is manifest in the containers. They now become the energy of Chachma. The energy of Chesed, of kindness, love. Commensurate, proportionate to the personality of the containers. Now it's entered in the containers. That's Shetach. And they're not formless like the energy is on its own, to the extent that they're not formless, to the point that they actually can affect the creation, the bringing into being of B'ri Yitzir and according to the method or according to the instruments of the Kalim. In other words, talking about the artist, once the energy is manifest in the container, Shetach, now, you're actually able to use an instrument to create a lower world, which is commensurate to the world of or the other way around. You could not create if you did not have containers. If it was all energy, you no way they'd create a new world. The containers is what allows the creation of the next worlds. So the energies have become so much part of the container that they are able to create that next world. Okay, so we have the three levels. Shetach. The thing is, he doesn't say what Shetach is in the Nemoshal, the teacher and the student. 
I would say, based on other places, unless he elaborates afterwards, Shatach is, even according to the first day from that the teacher brings the idea to students, it's still not Harchove. You're just talking about he's bringing an idea like a river, just Erech. Then there comes the, like, you know, yud, the Yud, the hay, and the Vov. It's the Vov. And the last hay, yeah, because usually Yud is the Nakuda inside the teacher. The hay is the Spashtus inside the teacher. He develops the idea. The Vov is the transmission of the Kav. And the last hay is where the container, like, you know, once I receive it, I expand. It's the expansion of the idea. That's already would be gather of Shetach. That would be Shetach. Shetach in the Makabal, not in the Mashpia. He doesn't really spell it out. It's Erech and Reichiv. But based on what he said, Nukudeh, there's no Erech and no Reichiv. There's no length, no width. It's just a dot, a point. In the line, there's width, length but no width. And Shetach is also width. So basically, it's, it's, but it's, it's manifestation in the containers. What does that mean, Hadugma Beza? Is this an example for this? Or with this example we can understand Vadugma Beza? It doesn't say Dugma Liza. How would you translate Hadugma Beza? And the example for this, in this, example in this, what does that mean? Yeshlemer, we can say, like the imparting or the emanation of the spirit of Mesha on this kingdom, in Pasha Ba'aleischa, where do we have the word Atzilus? Is rooted Vatsaltim in Aruach. That when Mesha, when Hashem said, I will impart, take from your spirit and pass it on to the sages, to the Skenim, to the. Yeah, so this is an example. How do you Shanoch? That rested? What was it says in the passage the word Noch there? Oh, the spirit, the yes, through resting through 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 resting on the skenim on the wise the skenim means literally the elderly the elders. Basically, the story goes like this: There, the Jews came complaining as usual. This time they want meat. I know. First it was water, then it's bread, then it's this. They want meat. Mesha says, Ma'anli Bosa, where do I have meat from? The Abishta responds, I'll take from your ruach, from your spirit, and pass it on to the Skenim. Of course, the big question, how does that, what does that have to do with meat? So, Atzilus becomes the Memutza, so called the interface between Ruchnius. Why do you say Ma'anli Bosa? I can teach them Taylor, I can give them Ruchnius, I can tell them what God wants. Bosser, what does Bosser have to do with me? Hatzilus essentially is the answer. That there's an interface between the divine and f- physical existence. So the Atzaltim in Aruach essentially was taking from the spirit. From there we learn the idea that it turns it into Esospheris. And Esospheris becomes the interface between. So Eira Chesed is Takev Ainli Bosser. But when Eira Chesed goes into Klea Chesed, now you have something of substance. And from there can be Hashpah. A transmission into actual, later into real physical meat. After many evolution. You know, the Al-Tareb in the beginning of his Nesiyas, of his leadership, did not want people to come. They said, why are you coming to me for Gashmis? Ruchnis. And later, of course, that changed. It's a similar idea, because you could say, you know, Ruchnis and Gashmis don't meet two different worlds. 
Huh? Why are we even going there? I mean, these were Gashvistika quail, weren't they? The slug, Gashvistika birds. Yeah, but, but, but so then what was Moshe's, uh, what was what's the solution? What, that's, that's exactly, without Kabbalah, Sidis. I understand, one is like a... No, but without Kabbalah Sidis, you take it, don't understand the Pesukim. So why did Hashem say it's ultimate rule? He should have just sent quail. What's he, t- uh, you know? He'll say, I'll take care, I'll give them, send them meat. We'll go to a restaurant. Because the point is, why did Moshe say, my only bosses? You think he meant, I don't have, I don't, I don't have quail? I don't know how to find the meat. You know, he could also go shechta behem. It means ma'ayin li as meishel abeinu is kesheres ha'ashpoa. You can't. The, the, the psukim in Bahalischa are not understood without primis atay. There's no way you can understand it. What, what, what's a tzaltim naruach have to do with with bosser? That's what I'm saying to you. That when I'm saying it's from Eitz Chaim and from Kabbalah Chassidus that explains the zehar. Bosser explains the, the, the pasha. You can't understand the without that. Pasha, you could say that we are making a fine meat for us to feed six hundred. Okay, fine. No, I understand that it says that. But how does the Atzalti Minaruach solve the problem? He should have sent quail. What is he, why, why is he... Uh, I, I understand. So you learn that it's not connected to the Mayan Libos. Yeah. But, but, but Pashtun Saksumim it is. And, and, and I understand you can learn a different way. I'm talking how uh, the, the whole Atzilus is based on that. You know. Um, good, fine. So, so uh, well, let's finish what he's going to bring out here. Which was not possible from the spirit of Mesh alone without the Skanim. I will impart, I will emanate, I will impart is the right word. I will remove like, and it's not really remove, it's I will take from like the flame, flame from a flame, impart from your spirit that's upon you, and something, and I will place it upon them. This has within it two things. This is a very fundamental piece. I wrote an article um, a few years ago explaining Atzillus from this Pesukim. What are the two things in this? We have two things here. The emanation of the spirit of Mesha. And the way it rests on the elderly, elders. Just from imparting from the spirit of Mesha alone, even though this is a descent from his level, it still cannot transmit and give them meat. Steak. You need the second step. Rather, the way when it rests on this kainim, show you bein arich legabamesha who are infinitely distant from mesha. Through this nasid uchashamesha be from kazeh that caused the spirit of mesha to be in a way in a method sheyir beivayodei hashpas abaser that will be within him and through him the transmission of steak of meat. As it's known, the whole all the Ashpos have to come through Mesha. In other words, it doesn't come from the Skanim. It comes from Mesha, but it's through the Skanim because now they it's, it's ascended a level. Something happens to Mesha here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One second, one second. The same thing is in the level of This is very concentrated, so. Think, concentrate that Atzilus that the energies the way they are imparted and revealed from their source from their root and their source in the ten hidden spheres they're still 
without substance. And they still cannot be a source for biyah, for basar, for meat. And through manifesting containers, that's the elders. Through that they become contained in, as a substance. In order for them, to, so that they be a source for biyah. Because he and his containers are one to, to create. That's an Atsilis. Okay. Let me... Uh, wow, this was a heavy little uh, piece here. This dugma. That's still got that dugma b'zeyesh lemer. I know what he's trying to say. He's not saying... This is not an example for this. All this is an example for this. It's basically the Rebbe Rashab is adding here a piece about Atsilis, which technically you really can say explains the beginning when he first spoke about Atzillus. Because this is the first, this is where he really says where Atzillus, what's the role of Atzillus. So there's a chapter where he talks about the purpose of Atzillus all the way back, I think it's chapter 6 or something like that. Or 7. Atzillus, the role of Atzillus, as I just explained, is the mamutza. It's an interface. It's the place where structure meets the divine. You know? But there's structure. So whatever God envisioned in His source, lifting at symptom, the hidden spheres, where's it manifest in Atzilus? But as we discussed earlier, so what is Atzilus? Is Atzilus more divine or is it more structure? Which one is it? The answer He gave is that the kalim of Atzilus is structure, and the energies of Atzilus is divine. Transcendent. And from that perspective, the containers are yesh ma'ayin, meaning they're like a new schachus. There's something new. As we spoke, what does new mean? They don't reflect on the source, they reflect on the purpose, the structure of existence. That's what God wants. And the Eidus are agents of the divine. They're basically communicating what God wants. They're transcendent. So they're Gilead hell. In this long discussion, we also learned that Eidus have also two levels. Compared to the Eir HaBligvul, even the Eir is also somewhat Yashmayin, Yishachos. Not completely, but relatively speaking. Because you need a complete siluk to hide the infinite possibilities to reveal the one possibility even on the energy level. So Meishis is the still Yeah, 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 for sure. One second, well, we'll get to that in a minute. No, I don't think so. We'll see in a second. One second. Let me let me let me talk it through. Let me just see a second. Hold on. So also the air needs to look fine. Now we have Atsilus. So Atsilus ends up having containers of structure. Energy is transcendent. Now the energy goes through three levels to get here. The first level, as I said, is in the root before the symptom. They're connected to the vision completely. Then there's how they come after the symptom. They're concealed. They now have. They're distinct, but they're still under the influence of the source. The four atzilus. That's the second level. According to this, it's No. No, 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 no. He can't be contradicting himself. Atzilus is Edus and Kalim. There's nothing else in Atzilus. Atzilus is Edus and Kalim. There's nothing higher. Anything that's not Edus and Kalim, Atzilus is not Atzilus. Is higher. When I mean higher, what's higher? The Kav. I'm not. The point is one second. Second level. The second level. That's the Kav. So the Kav is now 
taken this Nekuda and, and extended it. Okay. And then comes the Shatach. That's how it manifests, and it's able to bring it into Biyah. Interestingly, the Dugma comes after this little addition that is now affecting Biyah. He didn't say this till now. This whole thing with Azkenim is connected directly to creating Biyah. Not just that there's containers. Because we're dealing here now with Basar. So now, this is the explanation. The imparting of Moshe to the Skenim, he says there's two things going on. Something is removed, or not removed, something is imparted from Moshe. Step one. And number two, it goes on to another level that's called his students, the elders. If you only imparted from Moshe, if, if, if the Abish took Atzillus from Moshe's spirit, it still would be in the level of a Kav. It would not be a Shatach. So it could not create uh, Basar. It could not create Biyah. You need to have that it manifests in containers. The containers are the elders. The Skenim are the containers. But it's Atzilus Ha'eris of Mesha that enter the containers that allows this to take place. Now, the way he says Moshe, Moshe is Blima, Moshe is the letter, is I would say Moshe is the first two levels, not just the second level. Because he says clearly, Okay, it is, you're right, it is in his Gala from them. The way it's right before the Canaan. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. So no, but Moshe himself, before that Silas from him, that would be Esther Sefer Moses. Oh, so yeah. The way he's then comes the the, himself. Then is Netzalu from there, Esther Sefer that's Kav, Those and that, the, that, that that's the a second. And then then there's Nochnu uh, Samti Aleichem, Samti Noch Noch Samti Aleichem. The second thing he says, Yes, Brizah based Dvarim, is Mashenoch Alaskenim. That's why that, that could still not be a mokra of biyah, and that enters into the containers. In other words, the spirit of Mesha enters in the containers into the samti aleim in the skenim. By day, it could be a mokra biyah, which basically bosser. Biyah is bosser. Biyah and bosser is the same idea. Obviously, bosser means physical feet, but it means the idea of, of something that is not uh, divine in its personality. And then he adds the Yuvigamurchad Livre, which he refers which he alludes to earlier. It's Yuvikhayuchad is the energy as it's united with its source. Yuvigamurchad is how the containers are one with godliness. With energy and with the source. Yeah, but pastus, that's the Noch. That's probably the Noch. I don't know if it's the Noch, it's probably the Skanium, because the Skanium is not Biyah. Biyah is the Basar. The Skanium is the necessary steps. To go from Matzilus. Now remember, Bedakus, the Essence of is also Atzilus. Atzilus, the Clovis, so it's an Atzilus from higher. Remember, Moshe here is for all practical purposes like Ishalakim. He's basically the source of Ashpa, the source, the root of it all. Um, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's clear. That's why, that's the whole Mayan Libos. That's why Chassidus and Kabbalah are not stopping and just learning Pshat. When he said Mayan Libos, it was a real question because 
They want it from me, coming from me, you know. I mean, later, that's why all the three things, after Miriam and Aaron pass away, everything comes back with Shus Mesha, for that reason. But Mesha Be'etzem Atzmei is Teira. Zashpoh of Teira, of Man. The Anani covered, and the Mayim comes because of Miriam, but... Because he's based, because because like I said, Edus on their own are Giluim of Elokus. That's Moshe. You want Bosa, you need to have something new here. You need some Kalim going on, and then you need the Edus to manifest in the containers. What's a little, what I'm trying to figure out here is what the role of the containers are and what the role of the energy within the containers are. That's not so spelled out here. But clearly, you need both. No, because Hashpa is definitely Eir. But the containers allow for the hashpon to something that is physical or going to be like a thing called flesh meat. Okay, let's do the kitzer. I'm going to invite and we'll see. Interesting. Little, this end is a very nice uh, surprise end of the chapter. You didn't think it was coming. Because the kud de kav shatach, like what, you know. Kitzer, v'hu inyan kud de kav shatach. And these three levels of energies is the kud de, that point, line, plane. The point is the essence, and that's the root of the energies. The line is the way they reveal these energies through the symptoms. Distinct spheres. Now they're distinct points. There's distinct dots, points. And the so-called potential state. Like the world of Nekudim, Rakshem is Galus leaves Bechinus Mitzias, but Nekudim, their revelation of Mitzias who Ba'Kav leaves Bechinus Gili Ma'etzem, and the Kav, the primary function is the Gili Ma'etzem. Ah, there he spells it out specifically. That in the Elam of Nekudim, it's it's Nekudis Mitzias, like so called the the first interpretation that it's, that it goes to the, each student, and by Tayo goes even worse. It comes Amfin Nespardim, separate lines, and Ba'Kav leaves Bechinus Gili Ma'etzem. Its focus is revelation. From the essence, so it's revelation, but it's a revelation still on an atzmizdika level. And that's what it means. That the that the kav, the line, is made out of these dots and points. And level three is reshetach, the the area or plane. That's the manifestation, the containment of the energies in the containers. They actually become mitzias. So interestingly, the first interpretation of the kav is already some type of mitzias. In the second interpretation, the kav is still not a mitzias; it's just revealing what's in the in the point. And mitzias happens when it manifests in the containers. So you have right there in the kav two opinions, almost like the so kav. We're staying by two opinions at this point. Two ifanim. He doesn't say. He says two ifanim. He used the words ifanim. Two ways to explain. It. Remember, you're dealing with uh, spiritual realities. They're both correct at the end of the day. It's probably going to be relevant in the whole picture of these two ways, and it's pro- it seems to me a little similar to what he said earlier. It depends how much mitzvahim, how much shape is there in the kav. If you focus on the a of, of the kav being a revelation of its root, then it's more focused on the second afen, that's gilia etzen on the source, pshitus. If it's, the, the focus is on where it's going, it has the element. Earlier he even said it's primis akav, chutzenis akav. So you could also right, say that the line has an inner and an outer line. So she really... That would be very, very good and very nice. Okay, we conclude here. Um, so we did chapter 31, page 50.
through 51 and the top